Morning. Good morning. I'm Kyle Beislein. This is my girlfriend, I mean my wife, of almost 36 years, Linda. And we have this new thing called Senior Connect. And I would like to thank Jerry Fackner for being a very instrumental thing with this. First got brought up, uh, is there something for seniors? And then next thing you know, I go, well, they asked me, would you be interested in doing something like that? I says, well, I'm sure there's someone here who would like to do that. So we brought it up at a men's group. And Jerry's sitting next to me, says, three things I want to tell you, the wisdom of Jerry Fackner right here. <laughs> That's a great idea. You ought to do it. I'll be there to support you. Yeah. He says, it's not about the food. It's not about this or that. It's not about a program. It's about fellowship. He says, and this morning he hits me up with, it's, don't worry about the numbers. God's in control. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. Amen. So we're going to go through this real quick of what there is. When? It's the first Friday of the month. It starts this Friday, since it's the first Friday of the month, at 11 a.m. Okay. And it's going to be back in the fellowship hall. It's for seniors. So my old pastor used to say this, I don't want to offend anyone, so I'll let you be the judge of what a senior is. But senior discounts, if you look on anything, start at 50. So that's the low end of the thing. If you're 49, I'm sorry. But I did get sorry. told by the pastor's wife, in eight years, Jordan can come to, the, can come to yes. it. So Jordan yes. can be a part of Senior Connect in just eight short years. The reason that we're going to do this is I think it's a really good time for seniors to get together, um, just having a time of fellowship. Sometimes um, it will just be something simple. Kyle might talk about different scams that are out there for us seniors that we don't know about. So there's going to be different topics every month, a different type of a theme. Uh, and the what? Bring a potluck dish. If you don't, can't bring a potluck dish, don't worry. It's not about the food. It's about the fellowship. Okay, if you need Joe Albertson to help out, sometimes yes. with my team, when I was with a, a, a law enforcement agency, I'd stop by Joe Albertson's market and I grab 16 pieces of chicken. I didn't have to cook anything, and that works too. So, and besides, this time you got to have my potato cheese soup because it's amazing. Um, but I would like you to, if you want to sign up outside at the Guest Central, there's a table out there today to sign up, and then just kind of knowing what food you're going to bring, it helps us to kind of plan too. To see you there. I'm just going to finish with a real quick scripture here, Psalm 92, 14. The righteous still bear fruit in old age. Amen. They are ever full of sap and green. Oh, I, I do love Kyle and Linda. They're seniors, but they are young at heart. I told Linda she is uh, the youngest old lady I've ever met. Good job, Linda. Yeah, well, eight years is a long ways away. Now, my kid was here today. We're having service with the kids today. He wanted to come up here. So I said, that's fine. Uh, I, I'm doing a tag team service, which I haven't done in a long time. Grateful to have all the kids in here. We'll keep your attention today. Now, the reason I'm doing a tag team with three different guys just kind of sharing what's on their heart is because I like to change it up. It's fun to do something different. Can I get a witness on that? Yeah. So we'll, uh, I'm having uh, Pastor Daniel and, and Adam and, and, and David, who are men of character. These guys are faithful. They live holy. I know they seek the Lord, and I've asked them to just share what's on their heart uh, in the upcoming year. And I enjoy different perspectives. You know, it blesses me. I love to hear what God is, you know, speaking to other people about what's coming. So I know it'll grab you. Now, I get to start a series next week for what the Lord's really put on my heart. I believe 2023 is going to be a year that requires wisdom for your life. 
uh, I have that burn in my heart a year that I need the wisdom of God. So I'll spend the first month of the year just teaching on different aspects of God's wisdom, how to apply it in your life. I felt 2022 was a hard year. Just felt like the winds were against me in so many ways. But, you know, in spite of that, we had one of the, we had the greatest financial year we've ever had the church. We overcame a lot of things. And so in the middle of maybe difficult times, God can bless his people. Can I get a witness on that? So I'm looking forward to what he's got ahead for us. So without further ado, I get to introduce Pastor David. Now, he is a slave laborer. He's come back from the galleys of the kids' ministry. And his kids are here with him today. So I love you, David. You're a good man. Well, thank you, sir. All right, if you'll turn with your Bibles with me to James chapter 4. James, the fourth chapter, right after Hebrews. Well, I would like to welcome you to 2023 officially. It is the first day. And you know, it's amazing how God actually set up days, seasons, and years to foster hope in our lives. See, the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. So we can look forward to a new day. And he says to everything in life, there is a time and a season. So we can look forward to the seasons that are in front of us. And then he implemented the new year when he established Israel and said, Today is a new day, and you shall remember what I did when I pulled you out of Egypt. And you know what? Egypt is what? A symbol of the world. And so he, we can remember and we can look forward. It's a very biblical principle to look forward and get excited for the things coming up. I mean, what is it going to be? What is this new year going to bring? We don't know. Is it going to be a repeat from last year? Is it going to be worse than last year? Or is this going to be your best year yet? We don't know. And so there's an excitement and anticipation heading into the new year. And this morning, I would like to share with you what I believe 2023 holds for us. I believe 2023 can be summed up in the word humility. Don't all get excited on me. I know there's, there's not a whole lot of hooping and hollering on that one. Humility, oh, I can tell it really strikes a chord. I don't know if it strikes that chord of humiliation from, you know, your junior high days. It, that's, that's what we associate the word with is humiliation. But humility is so much greater and such a powerful tool. But too often we associate it with what? That time in junior high or that time in flag football where they missed the flag and de-pantsed you. <laughs> we don't know. We just associate it with humiliation. We don't like it. But there's a difference because humiliation happens to you to bring you down. But humility is a choice that raises you up. That's the biblical principle. And so really, I think in 2023, God wants to restore the art of humility to us as individuals and to the church. See, I believe that 2023 will be a year that the proud will be shaken. See, here in James 4, verse 6, it says, But he, God, gives grace. Boy, this is a different translation. For it says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. That word resist is a military term to stand in battle formation against. See, a lot of times we think, oh, God resists the proud. It's kind of like your teenager. Talk to the hand. Talk to the hand. No, that's not the kind of resist that God resists the proud. 
It is like the FBI pulling off a, a, a sting against America's most wanted. It's like firefighters responding to a five-alarm fire. They are there to snuff that fire out as quickly as possible. And that's the way that God resists the proud. And I'm telling you that the world is on fire with pride. And God wants to put it out. And I believe that it's going to be a year that the lies of the proud will be shaken. And the foundations of clay are going to crumble. And that we will see God lift up the humble. See, the world is drunk on pride. And when God sets himself against it, I don't want us to get caught up in that same pride. Because James spoke this to the church. He didn't speak this to the world. He was correcting pride that was in the church. And he was saying that we should not be proud. Proverbs 16 says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And I believe that 2023 is going to be that year that the proud will be shaken. But I also believe 2023 will be a year that the humble will be lifted up. James 4.10, just down a couple verses, says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That theme is all throughout the Bible. When you humble yourself, God will exalt you. God will raise you up. And God has the ability to raise up one group as he's shaking another group. I mean, you look at Isaac. Isaac in the land, when he was there, there was a famine, a severe famine. And God said, sow anyway. And he sowed in the land. And it says that he reaped a hundredfold. The rest of the world around him, what? They got nothing for their sowing. They were, they were in a drought. They were in poverty. But Isaac was lifted up and raised up because he obeyed God. And so I believe that as the world is be sh being shaken, I believe God will raise up the humble and that he will raise them up in prominence and in affluence and in influence. I believe that while God is resisting the proud, the righteous, their influence will increase. However, there's a stipulation to the blessings of God. God has to do his part that only he can do. But at the same time, I have to do my part. And what is my part? It's to abide in the spirit of humility. See, Jesus is our ultimate example. And in Philippians 2, 7, it says that Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place, and has given him a name that is above every name. How did Jesus get the name above every name? Because he humbled himself. And I believe as we humble ourselves in 2023, we will not be shaken. In fact, that shaking will rise us to the top. And it will elevate us higher into the kingdom of heaven. And so I believe 
that we as Christians and as individuals need to regain the art of humility. Just like Jesus said, if anyone desires to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, he should be the servant of all. And as we humble ourselves and serve those that persecute us, pray for our enemies, bless those who curse us, that he will lift us up. So I believe that 2023 will be a year that he raises up the humble. But I also believe 2023 will be a year that the truth spoken in humility will prevail. 2 Timothy 2.24 says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. The world has been taken captive by the devil to do his will. And it's amazing. We see the world and we see them in their pride and their arrogance. And we, we mistake it for confidence and conviction. But they stand there in their pride and they say, no, I'm right. And the Bible says we should not quarrel because quarreling is in pride. I believe one of the reasons why the church is losing the battle of truth is because we have taken their pride and tried to use it as a strength against them. See, Quarreling is pride. I will make you understand. I will, I will make you know that I'm right and you're wrong. That's what quarreling is. But it says in humility, we need to convey the truth of God. We've tried to fight back the proud lies of the world with our proud truth of God. But the spirit of God is lost through pride. And even truth will fail when it's delivered in a spirit of, of pride. The Holy Spirit's number one job is to convict the world of sin. John 16, 8 through 11 says that he, the Holy Spirit, has come. And he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in Jesus. Of righteousness because he went to the Father and he cleansed us and made us righteous. And it says of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. We don't have to pass judgment on this world. It has already been judged. All we have to do is speak the truth in humility. We don't have to convince them. It's God's job. It's his number one job that he wants to do in the world is convict people of truth. All we have to do in humility is speak the truth. Not boasting, not trying to use the eye for an eye, the proud for the proud. But as they rise up, remain a servant and remain humble. And offer the truth. And that will change people's hearts. The easiest way to win the war on truth is to speak it in the spirit of God. Which is humility. And allow him to convict the world of that truth. So in closing, I believe 2023 is going to be a good year. You could say it's going to be a year of exaltation, a year of being lifted up. But first we must do our part. And we need to regain that lost art of humility. And it will be a year that the proud will be shaken, 
The humble will be lifted up. Truth spoken in humility will prevail. Amen. Now it is my privilege to hand it off to a great servant of God. Thank you, Adam, for all that you're doing. He is a servant and a man of God. All right. So as I was preparing for this Sunday, I got a picture in my mind's eye. That's kind of one of the ways that God talks to me. And what I saw in my mind's eye is a picture of Jesus standing there, and he had an apple in his hand. He looked at the apple, and he took a bite out of it. And as he took a bite out of it, he started to chew it, and he smiled at me. Yeah, I know. It's a little awkward. It was more awkward for me when I was looking at it. Um, But I felt like what he said is, this is a word for my church. You will eat of the fruit you are producing. Produce well. So whenever you receive a word or you believe that the Lord is speaking to you, it's important that you test every single word. And the word needs to align with the written word. So I'm going to jump into the Bible. If you'll turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 31. It says, Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. In order to fully understand this, I'm going to back up to section 20, and I'm going to go section by section inside of this passage and elaborate and explain it as I go about it. But I'm going to start in Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 20 is where I'm going to read. Verse 20 says, Wisdom cries aloud in the streets. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long? Oh, simple ones, will you love being simple? Simple is you don't have much understanding, kind of foolish. How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Now, this passage starts out by saying that wisdom is crying aloud in the streets. That means that the Lord is trying to get people's attention. It's not for the elite. It's out in the streets. It's for every single one of us. It's an invitation for understanding to walk in wisdom. In here, he's specifically calling out wisdom that he wants to give to his people. And the issue here inside of this passage isn't that people were foolish. It's the fact that they love being simple. There was a complacency. We can't be people that are actually complacent or okay with being complacent where we're at. I believe the Lord wants to bring us into a new level of wisdom and understanding so we can walk different than the world. If you jump into verse 23, it says, If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. That word reproof is actually a term for rebuke. When I rebuke my kids, I don't stand there like Moses with a staff or Gandalf in um, Lord of the Rings. It's simply like God saying, hey, what are you doing? Hey, knock it off. It's God saying, stop doing that. You're doing something that doesn't make sense. The section says that the Lord, he's going to prompt every single one of us, and he'll direct us. When the Lord prompts you, if you turn from whatever you're doing, you're going to benefit from it spiritually. That's what it means that he says he's going to pour out his spirit upon you. You will benefit from it. And on top of that, he'll make his word known to you. Now, I fully believe that God still speaks, but I also believe that his word still speaks too. And the problem that we actually have is that we don't know what we don't know. Oftentimes, people are walking in ignorance because they're ignorant. Pretty profound, but it's totally true. We don't know what we don't know. But the beautiful thing is that God hasn't left us without direction or a guide. 
Each and every one of us that believe in Jesus has the spirit of God inside of us, knocking it upon our hearts. Has anyone here ever had a moment where you had a pit in your stomach when you're about to do something? Or you just, I don't know why, I can't tell you, but I feel like I shouldn't do this. That's God going, hey, guess what? You need to stop. I know you don't understand right now, but I'm asking for you to trust me. Don't move forward. When you get that inner conviction, God's trying to tell you, don't proceed forward. And I can tell you, if you do stop, it's going to go well for you. If you don't, it doesn't go well for you. Because in verse 24, it says, because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come to you, then they will call upon me, but I won't answer. They will seek me diligently, but they won't find me. Now, these people that don't turn when the Lord's knocking on their hearts, what's going on is they're going to have anguish, difficulties, and troubles. Now, this is not talking about us having difficulties because we live in a broken and sinful world. You are going to have troubles in this world, and it's not because you did anything. It's because there's other broken people in this world. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about people who are simply doing something that is foolish. I want to give you an example. You guys know what a 16-penny nail is? They use it for, um, no, you don't. Okay, it's a nail. It's about this long, okay? It's got a head. You use it building homes, okay? Imagine taking one of those nails. Imagine taking off your shoe, and I promise you I'm not going to stink out the room by taking off my shoe, okay? Imagine taking that nail and putting it between your toes, all right? You have a really big hammer that you want to pound this thing in, so you grab it with both hands. You can't hold it in place, so you're going to use your toe, right? Right? Imagine taking that hammer and you take that thing and you start to pound it and you want to do a good job. So you get it and you use two hands and you start swinging at it and hitting that nail. Does that sound like a good idea? No, it doesn't. And I think all of us get that. But when we choose to walk in a way that is contrary to the word of God, it is equally as foolish to God. And the reason why is because God knows the consequences are severe for us and for other people. It's actually worse for us. In this passage, it also says that wisdom will laugh at, a, at our calamity. And that sounds honestly a little bit harsh, but I wanna give you an example. And I'm gonna use a hoverboard to actually do that. Now, I'm not getting on a hoverboard. I will not put myself to public shame, but if you know what a hoverboard is, it's basically a cylindrical-like device with wheels at either side of it, okay? And if you never, as an adult, gotten on a hoverboard, the, love, or the Lord loves you abundantly and has not put you to open shame. Stay off of them, okay? They're horrible. They're absolutely horrible. I remember the first time I got on one, I was watching my little nephew zip around the place. And he was zipping around my brother's house at Christmas a couple years ago. And I'm like, that doesn't look that hard. That's not that bad. So I asked if I could get on it. And my wife, my loving wife is like, no, Adam, don't do it. Don't do it. My brother's like, Adam, it's probably not a good idea. I'm like, look, I snowboard, longboard, surf. I mean, I, I'm fine. I got great balance. I'm good. My brother's like, go ahead, have fun. So I get on it. And the way these things work is they're based upon balance. When you lift up, 
or you put pressure on the front, what happens is it takes you forward. If you lean back, it takes you backwards. So I get on this thing and I'm doing all right. And what happens is these things are really sensitive. So I start going like this and like a vertical version of the worm doesn't make the 90s look any better, okay? It's horrible, I'm like zipping around, but I kind of get it and I'm kind of going slow. And then all of us know that the dismount is the most important things from the Olympics. That's the one thing I remember from the Olympics. So I get over to a table and I gotta, I gotta tell you, I had it figured out. You just had to hold on to something. That's the important thing, right? Yeah, you know what's coming. You know what's really funny about it? It's the dismount that's a problem because what happens is when you step off, if you look at my feet, you do this. See that right there? That's the command for that hoverboard to go Mach 11 straight forward and you go whoo, like this, all right? Okay, so what happened is I grabbed a hold of the table and I stepped forward and the hoverboard said, I got this, Adam, I got it, I will listen. And I ended up on my tailbone, rolling around on the ground and my wife is laughing at me hysterically. I mean, she's busting a gut. That's not uncommon for my wife. Um, if you ever decide to get on a hoverboard, I will tell you, do not do it. Stay off of it, it's gonna be horrible. Once you get on it, I will tell you to pay a teenager to tackle you off of it because it'll hurt less. And then when you de decide not to listen to me, I will laugh hysterically like my wife did at you, all right? Now I wanna bring this back to the passage here. And the point is not that God is heartless. It's the fact that we're hurting ourselves and we don't even know it. And that's the problem here. We need to be the person that turns at the prompting of the Lord because he has wisdom and understanding that we don't have, okay? And it's going to bring me to my last portion here. Verse 29 says, because they hate knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have the fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them self on a normal basis. We, have, we live in a time where God's mercy and his grace are poured out abundantly. And I, most of all, of anyone in here, am glad that I have that mercy and grace every single day. This is not God playing whack-a-mole waiting for us to stick our head up so that he can bop us. This is us walking in the natural consequences of our actions. And it's important to be having an ear towards God and listening because our loving and caring God, I believe, is trying to tell us there are things that we can avoid, pits that we can avoid, but we have to pay attention and listen to his voice because he wants us to avoid them in this coming year. To wrap this up, I wanna leave you with a couple of things to consider, a couple questions. What type of fruit are you producing? What type of fruit do you want to produce? If you have something that you don't like the fruit of what you're producing, then I would ask you, what is one step that you can take in this coming year in order to change it? So at this time, I'm gonna ask up Pastor Daniel. If you don't know him, he is a fantastic man of God and he is a great guy. You should get to know him. You guys enjoying this this morning? This has been great. I really enjoy both Pastor David and Adam and what they've said. And as they were speaking, I kind of had an impression. You know what it seems like the theme is today? Choices. Choices. 
So I was praying about 2023. God, what are you saying for 2023? What do you want to do in this year? And I was having a hard time. I'll be real honest with you. It was, this is not an easy thing for me to, to do, to really, to work on. And I felt like I had this impression that 2023 is a year to remember. The word was remember. And you know what? That hit me. I was like, are you sure, God? Uh, really? Remember? Isn't it supposed to be something like 2023 is the year of blessing or favor or something? Remember? Really? I could have said it's the year to remember, but that wasn't what I got. I got the word remember. Remember. You know, remembering is all throughout the Bible. It's a principle. And you know what it is? Is It's a choice. It's a choice for where we're going to put our focus. Pastor Jordan got up as he was transitioning the service here, and he talked about forgetting 2022. And as I say remember, some of you guys look at me like I'm nuts because 2022 wasn't a year you want to remember. I get it. There's a lot that went on this year in a lot of different people's lives. There's pain. There's grief. There was hard things that we walked through. Man, I just got done walking through a time that was weird. I've never been through a season like that. I've never been through, through something like that. But remembering is not about looking back at the events that happened through the year. Remembering is turning our focus on God and his faithfulness. So that principle that runs throughout the Bible is to remember who he is and what he's done in our lives and in our hearts. I was reading this past week in Psalms 143, verse 5. It's a very simple little verse, but it says, I will remember the days of old. I will meditate on all that you have done. And I will ponder the work of your hands. It says to remember, to meditate, and to ponder. So this morning, I just want to give you a couple things for this word remember and what that looks like in your life. So the first thing to remember, to meditate, to ponder means you got to stop. You got to take a second from your busy life. I don't know about you, but this year sure seems like it ratcheted up in busyness. Maybe it's just the season that I've been in. But it means you have to stop, pause, take a moment, and look and reflect on who he's been in your life. It's not looking back at the events as looking at who he is. See, we're crossing over into 2023 here. All of us together, we're, we've taken this step. It's a new year now. We've taken this step of time and moved into the first year of 2023, but we are all in different seasons as we cross over this line. What you're going through may be different than what I'm going through. And it may be different than what Pastor Jordan's going through, and it may be different what this person over here is going through. But we've all crossed over into this new year, and we have a choice on whether we're going to remember or whether we're going to focus on the circumstances around us, the pain that surrounds us, right? So when we stop and we ponder, when we look at, we take some time, we build into our schedule that time to focus on him. Because that's the thing. If we're not intentional about it in our schedule, we'll never do it. I was listening to one leader. He said, you have got to build margin 
into your schedule so that you can listen to what the Lord is leading you to do. If you don't have the margin in your schedule, you'll, you'll be so consumed with the busyness, you'll never hear what he has for you to do. But see, the second thing is that when we remember, it produces thanksgiving in our lives. It produces gratitude, like we sang about this morning, in our hearts and our lives. When we look at what he did this year for us, how we had the best sales year we've ever had, how we've how he's taken care of those situations, he's restored relationships, he's worked in our lives. When we reflect and express in response to that, then that brings thanksgiving and gratitude out of our hearts. You know, I like to tie things to songs. I'm, I, I love the lyrics on worship songs and different songs. And so when, when I look at something, I always bring it back to a song. As I was thinking about this point, I had this song running through my heart. Now, I'm not going to sing it, so don't worry. I'm going to spare you all. But the lyrics of this song, we used to pray to it back when we first started the church. It says, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and he turned me around and he placed my feet on solid ground. What does it say? That makes me want to shout. It makes me want to sing. It makes me want to rejoice. See, you know what? No matter what sees us, was save us and set us free. 23, if all he ever did for us was save us and set us free, that's more than enough to praise him for eternity. That's more than enough to exalt him for all of the year. Doesn't matter what we've walked through. Doesn't matter what situations we've faced. Now, you know who walks through some things in the Bible? It was a man named Abraham. God took him all over Canaan. He took him all over the Middle East there, had him going. But you know what he did? Every time he paused, every time there was a significant thing in his life, he built an altar. See, building an altar is a picture of worship. He would build an altar, and it was a memorial. There was someone wise who once told me, when you have something significant in your life, build an altar. Remember, make a memorial, because when you come back to that or you reflect back on that, worship rises up in your heart. Abraham worshiped when he would build a memorial. That's what we're called to do. And it's interesting. Worship's going to look different in the season that you're in than the season I'm in. But the bottom line about worship is it is simply love expressed. That's all that worship is, is us expressing our love, our gratitude to the Lord. So when we are thankful and we remember the works of his hands, you know what else it produces? It produces faith. See, remembering isn't about turning around, focusing on those events of the past and simply turning your focus to what's behind. Remembering leans back on the faithfulness of God, looking forward into the future for where you're going in 2023. Remembering trust. You know what? I can face whatever's going on in 2023 because I know God's been faithful here. I know he provided when I had two mortgages. I know he provided when I didn't have a family. I know he took care of me here and there and all these journeys along the way. So I'm going to lean back in remembering who he is and his goodness, and I'm going to go into 2023 with faith and a hope. You know, hope isn't just something that we look at to hope for. It has a foundation. You know what that foundation is? Remembering. 
See, hope is produced when we remember what he's done for our lives. Now, the last little thing I want to look at real quick when we talk about remembering is that this principle of remembering in the Bible produces something else. See, in Exodus 13, God said this. He said, remember the Passover. Remember when I brought you out of uh, Egypt. Remember when I took you out of the slavery to sin and the bondage to the world. Remember. But then he said, tell your sons. Tell your children. Speak it to the next generation. What the Lord has done for you, tell it to the next generation. So you know what? Remember the next generation, who God is and what he's done. So maybe some of you are this morning in a season where God's calling you to teach, calling you to invest in that next generation. Maybe you're a father here and God's calling you to invest in your sons and daughters and tell them about the power that you've experienced when the Lord set you free. Maybe you're a mother in this house and God's calling you to teach them about the love and the mercy of who God is. So remembering, it teaches. And I had this impression as I was preparing for this this morning. So I'd like everybody to stand up with me, please. If you guys wouldn't mind putting that up on the screen. If you're a father in the house this morning and your family's with you, I'd like for you to put your hands on your children. If you're a mother in the house and your children are around you, put your hands on your children. We're going to all say this together. This is the blessing, the high priestly blessing. And you know what? Today's our family day. We've got our children in here. You know why we have our children in here? Because we want to invest in the next generation. Because we want to model. You know, children learn more from what you model than what you say. And we want to model to them what it looks like to worship and exalt our king. So we're going to join together. And you know what? If you don't have your family around you, you're part of Bethany. And we're a family. So we're going to say this together as a blessing over our family. You guys ready? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. All right, Pastor Jordan. Woo, that was fun. I had, I, had, I had so much, so much fun putting that service together here this morning. I just felt the Lord's presence. So we talked about being a humble man, turning at his rebuke, growing in the things of God, and remembering. And I guess my takeaway is that everyone here had a beard except for me. Do you think that's the Lord, you know, impressing me to have a beard? I don't think so, because my wife would never go for it. So you, you got to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> uh, stand up again here. We're about to close out. I want to pray for you. If you need prayer, the altars will be open. Before we get praying, because I don't know what's in your heart, I just really feel stirred to pray for people. Uh, and that's Daniel, David, Adam. We'd love to pray for you. Um, I want to just challenge you to join us in prayer and fasting. Kick the year off right. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 630 at night. You're thinking, man, that sounds like a sacrifice. Well, it's warm weather in January. I like to fast when it's warmer, and it's hard to fast at 20 below. Come on, somebody. And, you know, in Africa, they'll go pray all night. In America, we're kind of soft. <laughs> but this is a great way to really start off the new year. You get a Bible reading plan, run into this year. And if you do those little things, I'm telling you, it's going to be the greatest year you've ever had. So we love you. I want to thank you for coming out. Give these brothers a hand. What a great time to have. 
Yeah. Don't forget to sign up for Senior Connect. I won't sign up for that anytime soon. I've got a long way to go. Praise the Lord. But if you want prayer, man, we would love to pray for you. I feel the Lord in this place. And I was praying not just for Titus, but my friend Simon. If I get you down here, I want to pray with you. Love you all very much. We'll see you all uh, next week. God bless. Amen.